This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, flamethrowers. Lindsay here. I am so excited. So you're, this is releasing on a Thursday and on Friday, the 25th season of the WNBA begins, which is hard to believe for a lot of reasons. <laughs> and I'm so excited every year here, burn all down. We like to do a little WNBA season preview. And so for our interview this week, I have on my dear friend, Howard Magdal, who's a first time Burn It All Down guest, which is just pretty silly. Um, Howard, as I'm sure most of you know, is the editor-in-chief man in charge at The Next, which is your 24-7 home for women's basketball coverage. And I hope you are all subscribed to it. You know, I wouldn't be pushing something uh, this enthusiastically at the top of the episode, if I wasn't uh, very confident that you all get a lot from it. Um, but Howard and I are going to talk lots of things, WNBA season, and we're going to go team by team uh, to kind of see, try to do it quickly. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Howard, <laughs> Howard and I are known for very quick discussions. <laughs> we, we have never, we have never had one. I mean, our two minute ones go 30. I know yeah. that's true. Hi, Howard. <laughs> Lindsay Dibbs, it's so exciting to be here. I have been a Burn It All Down subscriber for a long time. I am such a fan. I am a Lindsay Dibbs fan, as anybody who follows me on Twitter knows. Uh, and so thank you for having me. We are so excited. And how can I actually, as much as we agree about most things, as close as we are, we actually don't 100% agree on a lot of basketball analysis stuff, which makes me excited because mm -hmm. that is, I agree. That's fun. So let's, let's fight. I look forward to it. I'm very yeah. excited. So I've got my boxing gloves on. Um, ding, so ding, Howard, ding. first of all, 25th WNBA season, I want to ask a couple logistical questions. We're not in a bubble this year, right? Like, so some people probably haven't been paying attention since last season, which was the, the bubble season at IMG. This season, is it a full season? Like, are, are we going to be in arenas? Are there going to be fans? What do we know so far? Great questions. So there are going to be, it looks like somewhere between some fans, most fans, right from the get-go, just about everywhere. Uh, we're going to be in market as a result of that for the WNBA season. It's 32 games, which is slightly less than what we have typically gotten 34 through the years. It is a little bit less than the 30 sticks that was originally planned in 2020. 2020 ended up having, of course, a regular season of 22 games because, um, and I, I don't know if a lot of listeners have seen that, but there was a COVID-19 thing. 
came just up. Google that. We don't have time to get at that. <laughs> Sorry about you that. Google, you're right. You're right. Google, but Google it, coronavirus. It, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing and is, but anyway. So we're getting most of what we would usually expect from a WNBA season in terms of what's available, what people can see and how they do it, uh, which I think is pretty good. You know, it, I view it as progress. I'm a perfect as the enemy of the good type of person. You know, I'm excited uh, to, you know, because last year was just such an odd season to have the announcement of the new CBA, have all this momentum, and then to have to do the season, the bubble, which was very special for a lot of reasons, was way, mm-hmm. way, way better than, than nothing. Don't get me wrong. They really made the best that they could out of the situation. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's a, there was a lot of free agency moves in 2020, and a lot of these big names are going to their home, their new home markets for the first time, and I'm excited. I mean, rookies too. And rookies, yeah, that's what I mean. Like the new players from 2020, a lot of them, you know, this is their first time. So a lot of reasons to be excited. Um, and of course, we will have a one-month Olympic break in the middle of the season because the Tokyo Olympics, for some reason, are still happening. Um, we'll see. <laughs> but we're going to bring that up in our discussion. So I just wanted to, um, you know, put that out there. They're gonna, there's going to be some, that's going to impact some player movement. And Howard, before we get started, just because I know everyone listens to the very end of every single episode, but... Just in case they get distracted uh, for a few minutes, um, give your one minute the next pitch about what people can look forward to this season. Sure. Well, if you go to the next, um, you can follow us at the next hoops. You can subscribe uh, for $9 a month, $72 a year. What you get is 24-7 coverage of all WNBA teams. We have a beat writer for each of the 12. We have coverage of women's college basketball, recruiting, USA basketball and international. We cover it all. Uh, We do it uh, in a 24-7, 365 format. We give it the urgency that you are accustomed to that you can expect from the coverage of men's sports. And it's overdue. It is part of the nine, uh, the nine newsletter, of course, we have across six different women's sports. Lindsay Gibbs is a the nine writer alum. I uh, used to write Tennis Tuesdays, and, and uh, so that combination, making sure that women's sports coverage is not siloed and that people who are interested in one sport are getting access to all the rest of it. Uh, that is the way in which we do it. At T-H-E-I-X newsletter is the way to do it. And of course, the great Jackie Powell handles social media for both. So that is what we do and why we do it. This week, we're going to roll out individual team previews on all 12 teams. We're going to hit news as it happens, and we're going to have a special uh, subscriber-only conversation, looks like, with Ann Myers-Drysdale, <gasps> to break news, Dylan, right here, Annie, one of my favorite humans. Yay! Okay, well, I will definitely be there for that. That sounds great. Um, all right, let's dive in. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go, I've, I've taken last year's results, and I've flipped them. So we're going to go through kind of, um, we'll start with the four teams that didn't make the playoffs last year and work our way from there. So that means, um, you know, we want to start with the New York Liberty, who had a pretty uh, devastating 2020 season, even though it was not a year with high expectations, going 2-20 and 20, uh, 
in 2020, while it is a great record for alliteration purposes, I don't think was the record <laughs> that anyone was really hoping. Their head coach is still Walt, Walt Hopkins, um, but they have had a very interesting off season. Um, sure Sabrina Nescu back, right? Well, and, and was never really there. I mean, she played three games last year, two, two, one, two and a quarter, arguably, you know? From everything that we know, she's recovered. She's ready to go at the start of the season. She had ankle surgery. Mm -hmm. All the reports, they don't have, they haven't had a preseason game. And it's not possible to see the preseason games unless for a handful of teams you're in market anyway. So it's very hard. I am very much team. You learn almost nothing from preseason games anyway. Uh, but that said, yes, it, by, by all reports, Sabrina's back uh, and very much herself, uh, which is a huge, huge thing. I, I mean, like, I just try to say about the two and 20, like they didn't care what their record was going to be last year. Like did not care. Didn't right. care before the season, didn't care during. And like, if they had cared about their record, they could have deviated from what they were trying to do, which was to install a very specific system and culture. And I don't know that they would have won like 12 games, but like, could they've gone more like five and 15, it's, it, or, you know, five and 17, I think it's possible. Um, but what they were able to do as a result was get a really clear look at who fit, who didn't, and what they were going to then do in free agency where they knew they had a ton of cap room coming. And, and they then did that. Yeah. So let's talk about that briefly. Uh, so the big moves, um, the big additions are uh, Natasha Howard from the Seattle Storm and then um, Lainey um, adding her back into, or not back, but into the mix after her breakout season in Atlanta last year. You've also got another shooter, Sammy Whitcomb, um, coming in, which is another exciting addition. Um, you've lost Megan Walker and Kia Nurse to Phoenix. Amanda Zowie B signed with Los Angeles during mm -hmm. the offseason. And then your big first round pick that we had, um, they didn't have as many first round picks as they did in 2020, um, because that would be impossible. Um, I think. Right. Statistically, <laughs> it would be very difficult to have 17 first round picks in a league. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, but they've got UCLA's uh, Michaela Anyawede and um, Rebecca Allen's returned. Um, the other big news you have um, is Willoughby, who's out now with injury? Yep, Jocelyn Willoughby. During practice, uh, tore her Achilles, oh. uh, which is just, just Jocelyn Willoughby is a very smart, first of all, a really good scout by the liberty to get her out of UVA. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and understand what she could be able to be. And then to turn around and lose her here when she was going to be a critical part. Again, you go back to like, all right, what are they trying to build systematically? Well, she was such... She's such a good fit at both ends. So I don't know, it's just heartbreaking, not just because she's from Jersey, although not not because of that as well. Yeah. So uh, Howard might have a bias um, and we might try not to hold it against him. Um, and uh, to finish up my little Liberty off-season summary here, um, Asia Durr is still a COVID long hauler and um, mm -hmm. her kind of status for the season is still in question, which is, devastating we just like want her to get better um that's a priority but you've got rebecca allen back this season i believe and then mm -hmm. some of your other core players 
who are returning, who were there last year, you know, Belasia Clarendon, uh, Jasmine Jones, who had a good uh, rookie season, Kia Stokes, and a um, bunch of other uh, second year players from their rookie squad. So Howard, all of this said, you mentioned culture. What is this culture that Walt Hopkins felt that he built last year? Well, let's find out, right? Because, you know, that's the most overused phrase in sports right now. Uh, but it does matter when you have players buying into what they're doing. And I'm somebody who doesn't necessarily believe you can or have to be conflict free in order to make it work. So there's two elements to it. One of them is to play in what is an up-tempo, modern, you know, arguably taking what Mike Tebow does and taking it to another level in terms of extremism, right? Because they are five out and that is the idea almost all times. And they have a bunch of players, both, like you said, some rookies they saw last year, having Sabrina Inescu is not a small thing as it relates to that. Uh, but also Rebecca Allen is a very big deal. You know, somebody who shoots better than 40% from three consistently, somebody who and nobody talks about it and it drives me crazy. She's a very good shot blocker. So if you have somebody who could play a wing position, somebody who's able to roll with switches on a regular basis, well, sometimes she's going to switch up against a five and she can be able to block a shot. That is not a small thing. And she is consistently a top 10 in block percentage when you look at what she's able to do. The one thing, and it's where culture and culture come into conflict. And you talked about Amanda Zowie B not re-signing and ultimately went to the Los Angeles Sparks and leaving aside the fact that just from a locker room perspective, she is just delightful and a great quote at every turn, just from a journalistic perspective, she will be missed in New York. But in addition to that, Amanda Zowie B has that very much a stretch five game, but she and Walt Hopkins clearly by the end of the season, were not on the same page. There was a game where she was benched and when they made the decision not to not to bring her back and instead you know Kia Stokes was the one who they're bringing back and Kia Stokes had some defensive value but the effort to get Kia Stokes to shoot the three did not go well in year one I believe she was something like 23 percent from deep it just says to me that there was a question of culture as opposed to the ability to be five out and again when I say taking Tebow to the next level obviously we get to the mystics but you know, he's going with uh, Tina Charles as your traditional conventional five here. And obviously a super talented one who could do more, but he is very much a four out coach and Walt, at least by all indications. And obviously with some wrinkles, like Sabrina's going to play a lot of pick and roll is very much a five out coach. And so it's just going to be fascinating to see. I can't wait to see it uh, in person, not just because the chance to see in-person basketball for the first time in over a year is going to be very good for my soul. Yeah, uh, I would say that uh, judging by the Liberty fan reaction on social media that uh, signing Kia Stokes and letting Zowie B go was not a popular uh, move. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious to see how true. that looks out. But let's just say the biggest question I have is, what can Natasha Howard and Najelani, but yeah. really in UNESCO, like what is that combination going to be? And what's the ceiling for that? And like this year, is it going to be a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs? Hmm. Devastating as to be is the ceiling for it. I mean, Natasha Howard is somebody who continues to level up 
when you think about her career, that's just basically the story, right? <clears throat> She's a bench player in Indiana. And by the way, they went to the WNBA finals and she goes to Minnesota and she becomes, you know, essentially a uh, sixth woman a year out there. I don't know if she won the award, but if she, if she, she certainly needed to. Um, and uh, Cheryl Reeve uh, regrets it and actually likes to joke about letting her go on to Seattle where she's a critical part in Seattle and DPOI. Uh, defensive player of the year and then wanted to be a featured performer and now can be a featured performer and has made herself into a elite three-point shooter to go along with just athleticism that when you when you are when your athleticism is off the charts in the WNBA your athleticism is amazing and that's yeah, I mean, what that's, the case is for that's Natasha. as high as you can get that's as high yeah. as you and so Sabrina was so good on the pick and roll uh, at Oregon, uh, you know, Ruthie Hebert and Satu Savali got so many easy looks in that Kelly Graves offense because Kelly is no dummy and was running the pick and roll with Sabrina as much as possible. And so Laser Clarendon is a tremendously effective point guard, but it's just a different caliber of player we're talking about when it comes to what Sabrina brings offensively, not least of which because a defender has to stay close to her because Sabrina Inescu is going to knock down the three. So, I, I, you know, the question of will it be disappointing if they don't make the playoffs? I just, you think about this league and there are, to my mind, there are some teams who I think are probably not going to make the playoffs this year. And <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Big I'm just saying, I don't think there are like four of them where you could be like, yeah, probably, yeah, probably not. I think there are probably two of them that we'll get to, you know? And so that means effectively there are 10 playoff caliber teams for eight spots. Yeah. That's what it looks like to me right now. No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm going to try and not make too many predictions. We are, we are right now, we are blazing past my time, my schedule on the first team. Uh. So I'm going to try and move past the Liberty. Um, but I, I just want to conclude this by saying, this team right here, even compared to last year's team, um, I mean, maybe especially compared to last year's team is the phrasing I could I should be using. But well, like when your season was the Pete Campbell, not great Bob Jeff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, no, but yeah. I'm excited that this is a team that gets to premiere in Barclays. Oh, God, yes. I mean, that we were robbed of that last year by 2020. Yeah, but this is a so much better team, right? That I'm excited that this version is what I'm saying. Like, uh, so anyways, moving on, number 11 last year was the Indiana Fever, who went 6 and 16 in their first year under head coach Marianne Stanley. I'm going to try uh, not let Howard interrupt me while I do our quick rundown of all season, unless, you know, I make a mistake. But Mm-mm. Um, <laughs> their big first round pick was uh, Kaiser Gundesrich, I think is how you say it. I've been looking for WNBA pronunciation guides, which don't exist quite yet. So um, please forgive me. I have done the research, but the WNBA does not make it easy with rookies right now. Um, now, could they have put together a pronunciation guide, like say for the draft? Yes. <laughs> Did they probably put it together and just not release it to media? Yes. <laughs> but anyways, oh, also wanted to note, we are recording this on Monday. Rosters have not been set yet. Um, so uh, we're going to try not to talk about too much about who's going to make the rosters since those rosters will be set by the time you're listening to this. 
Um, but just so you all know, if we talk about a player who's ends up cut, that it's not that we missed that news. It's just we're recording it on Monday um, while some play, some teams still have 18 on their roster, which is anyway. more than they'll end up with. Just, yes. just too sure. many. There's just too many. Um, so the Indian Fever actually had some big offseason changes. They said goodbye to three of the cores of their um, group. Erica Wheeler, Natalie Achanwa, and Candice Dupree have all left all those vets. Um, they've brought in, though, some more vets who are very interesting. Jessica Breland, Danielle Robinson, Jontel Lavender. That technically happened in season last year, but this will be our first time seeing it. Uh, and Lindsay Allen is there in training camp as well. Um, Julie Allemond, who is the big, you know, rookie of the year option, probably won't be with the team, I think, until after the Olympics. So she's Belgian and got a lot of um, Belgian things to deal with. And then you've got returning kind of core players for them. Um, Kelsey Mitchell, Lauren Cox, um, Tierra McCown, Tiffany Mitchell, uh, Victoria Vivians. And I think that sums up the fever. What did you think about these off season moves? And did, does this tell you anything about what's, what Marianne Stanley's plan is and, and Tamika Catching's plan is with this team? So not enough. <laughs> I, I'm consistently <laughs> so here. I want to start by what I do like about the Indiana. Oh, Fever. that's good. And yeah, I know, right? It's it, and, and what better time for happy talk than at the start of the season, right? Everyone's O and O. Everybody's tied for first place. Marianne Stanley is an icon in women's basketball, dating back 50 years. She's done everything. She knows more about this game than anyone. Tamika Catchings, other than not just the best player statistically, if you go by win shares in the history of the league, she's 20% better than anyone statistically by win shares in the history of the league, is a brilliant basketball mind. So what they're coming up with probably makes some sense. And eventually that may be clear to me, um, the sense that it makes. But I have some questions. I have some questions in the backcourt and I have some questions in the frontcourt. I mean, other than that, it's, it's very clear uh, what they're doing. Um, but in the front court, well, I'm saying, you know, I, I have a vague idea of what's going on on the women's, but in the front court, and part of this is not the current regime's fault, right? Pokey Chapman, who builds teams and, you know, has done a very good job of that. She drafted Tierra McCallum. New regime comes in, they draft Lauren Cox. Here's your question. Now, because of Lauren Cox, late to the bubble because of COVID and injury, didn't play much last year. Are they playing together? The, you can make an argument that Cox can be a stretch four. She can shoot the ball out to three. Jerry McCallum is just a matchup problem as a five against basically every other five there is. That makes sense. If you're not playing them together for an extended period of time, I don't think you're learning about what your franchise can be. And the two big lottery pitch under rookie contract. I agree. That's one. Number two, Kelsey Mitchell signed long-term on her second deal now. Very smart. Kelsey Mitchell ceiling is absurd. I mean, I don't, I don't know what her ceiling is. That's part of the problem. Is Kelsey Mitchell's ceiling to be a point guard, primary ball handler? Or is Kelsey Mitchell somebody on the championship team who's a jewel Lloyd? You know, that's the question. Or, you know, Skylar Dayton-Smith is one model. Jewel Lloyd is a different model. 
you know, maybe she's a cappy, you know, but it was easier to be a cappy and win championships in Phoenix because uh, she had a relatively obscure uh, guard next to her named Diana Tarazi, who might be unfamiliar to many people, but she was really good. I don't know what happened to her. So point being, we need to know both of those things. We need to know what Kelsey Mitchell is, the person you've given the max deal to, and how you're working around her. And you need to know what McAllen and Koch shaking out is. And until I know those answers, I don't really feel like I have a handle on what Indiana is. And we can get into some of the other parts of it, but those to me are like the flashing neon lights for, uh, as it relates to the fever. I completely agree. And it's like, if you look at some of these, you know, switches, it's like Eric, you know, basically Danielle Robinson for Erica Wheeler. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't, that's not a big, <laughs> like game breaking. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't give me. It is more. very different. Like, so I, I'm a huge fan of D Rob and what she brings like without question, but D Rob is not a three point shooter. D Rob is not somebody who looks for her offense first. And so yeah. D Rob makes the argument, Oh, okay. Well, Kelsey is your regular too. But then when you make the draft pick, you do it for, it's like, well, okay. So what was the idea of long-term behind that? And I'm sure there's an answer. The, I, the, the point being, there is an answer to that. Um, but both Marianne and Katz talk in terms of flexibility. And I just feel like at a certain point, you got to commit to a path. And I want to know what that path is. And I'm a big believer with these teams. You follow what they do and not what they say. And yeah. so I want to see what are the lineups Kelsey's in. I agree completely. And I think, I mean, I, Julie Allman had a great, great rookie season. And I'd like to see her and, you know, Kelsey together more with, you know, consistent front court. And Too many turnovers, though. Is, yeah, in the first year with, I mean, with a team around her that had no practice time together, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at all. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there was so much pressure on her. I almost don't blame her, you know, for quite as many of those turnovers, right? Like, I, I think that's fair. I just think it's also fair to say until we see her not do that. And I like Julie Allemond and, and she was super efficient from the field, but until I yeah, see I know that, what you're saying. That, that's, that's a big red, red flag for me when, when it comes to a point guard. I think what we're seeing right now is, you know, Achanwa and Dupree gone there's really no excuse now. They, they use those two players as excuses to not commit to Tierra McCown, right? Like on a weekend, right. weekend basis, you know? Um, and they're both gone. And you brought Jontel Lavender in, who is probably an off the bench six woman. You know what I mean? Like back mm-hmm. to that, like type right now. So I'm hoping we're going to get to see them really commit to this, these young, this young front court. And this is going to be another growing year for um the fever and i hope that they um like you said figure out what they have because they didn't last year agreed and, and i would just say the last thing on it there are people who don't think lauren cottage can play the four full-time next to Tierra mccallan at the five and so we're going to find that out pretty quickly that's going to yeah. be a really interesting early thing to watch yeah we just don't know <laughs> we literally just don't know right now um, exactly. but Tierra McCallum needs to start every game for the first half of the season, at least <laughs> like let's, let's, start. and the second half, 
And, but yeah, but I mean, if it goes horribly the first half, right? And you're right, you know what I mean? Like you're ready to move on, but that's what I'm saying. Like no more, no more. I, I would do it the whole year. That, that's my ideal, but I'm just saying. Like, Why are you benching Chair McCallum? Let's move on to a team where there's not many question marks. Um, the Atlanta Dream, who went seven and 15 in 2020. <laughs> Very conventional year. Yeah, they were sold. Um, Renee Montgomery is now one of the co-owners, um, along with some big name investors. Um, Nikki Collin, though, just last week, uh, went to Baylor. So uh, congratulations to Coach Collin. But... Uh, it's rare to have a coach leave in the middle of training camp. <laughs> I would say a head coach. Like I would just say that that's a it's a dramatic move. Um, and uh, so you've got some rebuilding. Mike Peterson is the interim coach. Uh, seems to have no desire to be the real head coach, but seems to just be mm-hmm. hanging out and having fun. Their first round pick, big name, Ari McDonald. They have added Odyssey Sims, Shatori Walker, Kimbrough, Tiana Hawkins. Cheyenne Parker all in the offseason um and of course they've got returning Kennedy Carter um Tiffany Hayes is back after taking last season off I'm very curious what her game is looking like these days Shakina Strickland Courtney Williams Elizabeth Williams Monique Billings and I believe Kalani Brown is still on the team too um Mm -hmm. and I I don't know what's going to happen at the bottom of their roster um this week but I think that these are all the pieces that are going to make the big difference. Um, I would like to start, by, I'm sure this is going to shock you, by talking about their guard situation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's a good place to start. You know, we've got Kennedy Carter, who had a great rookie season until she dealt with injury like so many others in the bubble. Do we, I mean, and then uh, we're going to see her with Courtney Williams. We're adding Ari McDonald in there. Um you know, I, I'm a, we, everyone knows I'm a Shatori Walker Kimbrough fan, although she's, I'm not quite sure where she fits into this roster. Odyssey Sims, is she going to be our main? Who do you think is going to be our main ball handler in Atlanta? Well, I had one answer for you when Nikki Collin was coaching. And as far as I can tell from talking to Mike and talking to Darius, that's not going to change, which is to say that Ari was the primary point guard in five on fives they were playing uh, internally with Kennedy Carter even on the floor. That's a little hard to fathom (laughs) with Kennedy Carter being one of the best isolation players I've ever seen. I've ever seen. That's, That's the level of talent that Kennedy Carter brings. But I don't think this is a problem in a way that, you know, we were just talking in Indiana, right? And it was more like, Who's going to be the point guard? Is Kelsey a one or a two? You know, what are you figuring out? Having a pair of capable ones to be able to run a lot of different actions is going to only be to Atlanta's benefit. And then when you're able to cross that production with a lot of shooters, whether it's Courtney Williams out of the mid range or it's players like Strickland and Shatori Walker Kimbrough, uh, who I, I share. Uh, your affinity for her game as well. Not to mention being able to get Elizabeth Williams set up under the basket and Kalani Brown, who was extremely efficient finishing around the rim. I think it gives you more of an opportunity for that offense to open up. The issue you have in Atlanta is simply, will the direction be what they need it to be? 
You know, I, I ultimately saw over a period of several years that players would go to war for Nikki Collin. Are they going to do that for Mike and Darius? If they do, I think there's some real upside there and they both certainly know what they're doing. But if things get off to a poor start, there are a lot of personalities in that locker room that could take things in a lot of different directions. I guess is the way I'll put it. There are so many personalities in this locker room. There are so many. Uh, where does Odyssey Sims fit into this? Because that's, I'm confused. Well, Odyssey Sims is somebody who can come off the bench and score at will. Odyssey Sims is somebody who can defend twos. So Odyssey Sims has some skills there as well. It just is very hard to see, unless you are playing small lineups, how there is playing time for everyone involved. You know, you talked about Shatori as well. It's the same thing, you know, well, is Shakina Strickland, who is a big free agent signing and very talented, is Shakina Strickland your primary three? Well, that blocks things off. Are you going to tag team Ari and Kennedy or are you going to run them uh, consecutively instead of concurrently? Uh, at that point, you have questions as to what other spots are available at the quote unquote one and two. All of these things are questions we need answered that we don't know yet. But again, you have multiple possible answers for all of these things. And, and I think I've wrote in one preview or another at 538 that it will just be up to Elizabeth Williams to get all the rebounds. And I think that's fine. I think Elizabeth Williams, you know, flip the Senate so she can grab the rebounds. She can grab rebounds. Although I will, I mean, Courtney Williams loves rebounding more than <laughs> a lot of guards. Yes. I remember uh, John Paul Jones used to joke because she was trying to catch a rebounding record, like smash the rebounding record in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And she said she had to yell at Courtney for like grabbing rebounds. It's true. Like, it's I'm true. trying to like win a rebounding record. Like you don't need to like come up under me. <laughs> if I had the vertical leap of Courtney Williams, I'd want to rebound too. Yeah. Anyways, um, I would say also they've got two stretch fours, which is kind of something that they haven't had a lot of in mm -hmm. uh is or as much of. Um, I guess uh Billings kind of, but with Hawkins and Cheyenne Parker, I think those are two very interesting additions. She would make an all-star team this year, Cheyenne Parker. Cheyenne Parker's so talented, just gets better year after year after year. Taught herself how to shoot the three because she didn't have anything better to do in Poland. I mean, it was yeah. overseas and she just went, went for it. But Cheyenne Parker is, here's how I'll put it. Candace Parker's a big signing for the Chicago Sky. But the impact is going to be a little less than people think, only in the sense that she's in many ways replacing Cheyenne Parker in terms of what Chicago is getting. Uh, and Cheyenne Parker did a lot of those things already for the Chicago Scott, which is why, of course, they were a playoff team. I agree. And uh, look, Tiana Hawkins is a key off the bench piece. Mm -hmm. I, of course, uh, covered the Mystics, watched her a lot. If she is healthy this season, which she was not last season, and she has chronic knee issues, but she looks good uh, from just Instagram. You know what I mean? Like just from very preliminary Instagram looks very fit. You know, I'm very curious. What I'm saying is Atlanta has so many great pieces. I just don't know if they form a puzzle that makes any sense. <laughs> there are 10 teams that feel like they've got clear playoff implications on the roster. And Atlanta's one of those 10 yeah. teams. 
And I mean, I just look at this place and it's look at this team and it's like, that's a big name. That's a big name. That's a big name. They're capable. They're capable. They're capable. And I will say one thing about Shatori last thing is she can play one through three. Um, mm-hmm. And so she is a great piece to have on a team when you're dealing with injuries because she can plug in mm-hmm. anywhere and uh, teams need that piece, right? Like every team needs a bench player that can play multiple pieces when you're dealing with injuries throughout the year, you know, which happens. Anyone who wants to should take a look at the synergy defensive numbers for Shatori Walker Kimbo because okay. she's known as a three point shooter, but her defensive value is under uh, appreciated in my opinion. She's, she's very good at getting steals and at annoying the crap out of people on the court. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Last non-playoff team and we're um, at about our time limit, but we're going to oh, keep no, going. Okay. Uh, the Dallas Wings in 2020 were eight and 14. Uh, they had a bit of a surprising off season when uh, their head coach pieced out Brian Agler and now Vicki Johnson uh, is their hire um first round picks they had lots of those the biggest names were charlie collier and awak kuya uh from finland um they said goodbye to a stew and katie lou which that rhymes um and then of course returning you've got a bunch of names uh kayla thornton alicia gray arike um ty harris isabel harrison and um mariah jefferson so two will be back eventually from overseas bella yeah don't sleep on bella allery at all yeah i mean bella allery uh you know you've got gustafson who we don't know if she'll make the squad i mean there's once again pancake. lots of names don't forget pancake pancake gustafson oh yes uh, yeah. uh megan gustafson's dog thank you thank you um they also drafted Dana Evans in the second round, um, which a lot of people thought would be a first round caliber pick. So let's talk about just lots of names. Um, I mean, they, they almost made the playoffs this year, but this is once again, maybe an even younger team than it was last year. Um, and what do you think we're going to see from Charlie and Awok, first of all? You know, Awok is going to be the one that I feel less confident projecting, just not getting as much in the way of live looks. Uh, and so just, just frankly, I'm really curious to see, but Charlie is somebody who comes in and if anything, Charlie's production was understated at Texas, Texas last year had a real scarcity of production at the guard position. And it became increasingly difficult for Charlie to get the ball where she could do the most damage. Uh, Charlie uh, is somebody who is as driven as anybody uh, consistently got her game better. She's built like you want the season to start yesterday because she's six foot five, because she can shoot the ball from everywhere, because she's just in phenomenal shape. And so I think we're going to see some really good things from her right away. But I do think also we have in Dallas a real glut at the four or five. And, you know, once Satu gets back, Bell Allery, don't forget last year, a lot of people thought Allery might be a four in this league, but Allery was able to hold her own against some of the best centers in the WNBA as a rookie. Bell Allery is extremely skilled. And so how that all comes together, uh, you know, if Charlie ends up being a stretch four next to Bella Allery, that leaves you with very few spots for Satu 
Quincy comes back. And if Locke is able to play big minutes right away, you know, that's a glut. And it's a good problem to have. Greg Bibb talks about this all the time. Like you want too many good players, you know? So that is a very positive thing. Uh, but that's something to figure out. And, and one, uh, to my mind, underrated aspect to Dallas is, can Satu play the three long term? Because if she can, you could get all kinds of mismatches. Uh, and I think that would make a huge difference for them. Uh, the downside to it is Satu needs to be significantly more efficient offensively than she was last year. I mean, she knows that. I mean, and she's a rookie. There's all kinds of reasons for caveats to that. But again, it goes back to what I'm saying to you before. Like, until I see it, I'm not seeing it. Until Alamond does not come down her turnovers, I'm not seeing it. And so I need to see it happen. That's fair. Um, I think it's hard to look, you know, Dallas basically won eight games last season and had a chance to sneak into the playoffs because Enrique willed them to it. <laughs> like just Enrique was like, I'm going to keep scoring. You know, I mean, it's a little more complicated than that, but is it? <laughs> no, it's, I, I mean, it's not. And, and again, like that goes back to what is Enrique? Enrique is an irrepressible finisher at the rim. Enrique is somebody who has a sense of the moment. And there are not a lot of players like that. that no, there aren't. One of those elite level skills. Uh, but they, listen, uh, and I, I'm speaking to this not from direct information, but Dallas has to show Enrique that Dallas is on the right track because there's a history of players asking out of Dallas. And so if Enrique is losing again and she does not like to lose, it's fair to wonder how much longer Enrique will want to stick around. Yeah, and I mean, look, the common denominator for everyone leaving Dallas is still there, right? Greg Bibb, like he's still in the background, right? And he's been, I know he's liked by a lot of people, but he's also been very controversial uh, at times. And I will say, I, I, I just, I, I mean, to defend Greg Bibb, yeah, it do. is two players. It, it's, it's two players who have done so. And there have been, there's been conflict with those players elsewhere as well. I, I, I do think yes. that, you know, you're also asking players who want to have a national profile to be comfortable in Dallas, uh, which is not always the easiest thing to do. I just, I, I would, I would hesitate to just like say he's the common denominator uh, at the end of the day. I, I see what you're saying for sure. Um, I also, he was involved in some of those things directly pretty directly true. like not peripheral <laughs> more directly I, i'm not suggesting he's a he's an observer yeah, yeah. <laughs> off to the side yes yeah, i would just say he's uh he's he's more involved than some to the public than a lot of executives you know that mm -hmm. we hear about and so well i'm excited about what they're building i'm guessing when you say two teams don't really have playoff aspirations this year is the dallas wings one of those no, I would not use the phrase playoff aspirations. I would use the phrase, am I expecting them to make a playoff run? I am not expecting them to make a playoff run, though there is a lot of talent there. And they were, you know, they did last year. You do not have playoff aspirations for them. <laughs> that's fair. I have <laughs> okay, that's what I aspirations for the Dallas Wings. That's okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Washington Mystics made it to the playoffs last year with their uh, C team. Um, <laughs> went nine and thirteen in twenty twenty. Uh, lost to the Mercury in a wild ending in the first round. Yes, uh, 
got head coach Mike Tebow still there. No draft picks to talk about because they didn't exist. They mm-hmm. did say goodbye to some a uh, couple significant players, Ariel Powers and Tiana Hawkins. And Latoya Sanders uh, is no longer on the court. She is on the bench. She is an assistant coach and she is pregnant. We are so happy for Latoya Sanders. Another big news in the offseason, they signed Alicia Clark. That was a huge signing. And then she got injured overseas and is off uh, suspended for now for the season. So that's sad. They added in a couple of pieces or a few pieces, Shavante Zellis, uh, Teresa Plaisance and Erica McCall. Um, and of course, our big names returning, both Natasha Cloud and Elena Deladon and Tina Charles, all of who missed um, the bubble season, are scheduled to be back, although Deladon had a surprise back surgery that we just heard about recently mm-hmm. and uh, won't be ready for the very beginning of the season. And that's concerning. Um, also, the other core of the Mystics, you know, got Ariel Atkins, who is looking good. Kiara Leslie's back. Leilani Mitchell has returned. And then, like we said, we're not sure what the roster is going to look like, but you do have Stella Johnson and Shook Sutton, who are part of their bubble squad. Don't sleep on Stella Johnson. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, okay, okay. I'm not, not sleeping on anyone, but Emma Mieseman might come back after the Olympics. Uh, mm-hmm. She's in Belgium right now. We don't know about Emma Mieseman. Whew, that's sure. a lot, Howard. Tina Charles. We finally get to see Tina Charles in DC. Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit indeed.com slash blue wire to start hiring today. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I try not to look into, I don't think preseason games matter. Mm-hmm. Except when I look at Tina Charles, it's exciting to see that Tina Charles is is doing things on the basketball court that seem very good. <laughs> that she exists and is in the lead is a big deal. I think it's really funny, by the way. I just have to point out that we were like going to do all 12 teams in 45 minutes. Like that was never going to happen. I knew it was going to be 45 minutes, but I hope it'd be a little bit closer to 45 minutes than we're going to get. But anyways, we're going to keep okay, going. Okay. Listen, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm always here for Lindsay Dibbs. <laughs> So I'm here for it, you know, period. All right. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? This is Shireen, and I have struggled with anxiety and depression in the past. I've often turned to counseling and therapy to help me through. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. 
It is professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. But this service is available for clients worldwide. Flamethrowers, wherever you are, BetterHelp can help you. You can log in to your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, which may not even be possible in a pandemic anyway. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read testimonials that are posted there daily. Visit BetterHelp.com burn, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they have started recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Burn It All Down listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash burn. That's betterhelp.com slash B-U-R-N. First of all, the fact that Tina is back. Second of all, the fact that Tina is bought in with Mike and has always loved Mike. Always. You know, dating back to her time in Connecticut. It's funny to kind of look back at that Connecticut experience where they fired Mike and they didn't talk to Tina. And Tina was like, well, I'm out of here, you know, and and that set the franchise back five years. You know, I mean, it's really just sort of an amazing thing. It's certainly one of those doors closing uh, WNBA moments for sure. It, I mean, it's really interesting to me. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Sliding doors, the, that's what I meant, sliding doors, the, yeah. The Deladon thing is the biggest issue by far. Yeah. And you mentioned the surprise back surgery. Well, it's like on the list of surprises, it's like one of the least enjoyable surprises, I think. But the stenosis diagnosis is my bigger concern. And, and I wrote about this over at the nine. What is stenosis? And tell us a little bit about that. It is a narrowing of the spine and it is degenerative. And there is no cure for it. And it's a very big concern. And I am just, Elena Deladon's entire life to me is Shakespearean in every conceivable way, on the court, off the court, the level of talent and the things she does, the things she has to face as a person medically. uh, You know, it is just one of these incredible dramatic things uh, at the center of what we think is a revolution moment in women's sports. And so to see this happen and to, to know inherently how much harder it's going to be for her to simply have what would be a normal decline phase of one of the all-time great players. And if she retired tomorrow, which I'm not suggesting she would, but if she retired tomorrow is a Hall of Famer, is a women's basketball Hall of Famer, is an easy Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, it, it is heartbreaking. And so I, 
Washington's title aspirations, I feel like, are very reliant on Elena Deladon being some approximation of what she usually is, though having Natasha Cloud back is a very big deal. And having Tina Charles as a front person for the offense is going to matter. And there's a lot of talent here. And I'm just never going to bet against Mike Tebow, who's one of the great basketball minds I've ever met. All of that said, this entire franchise's last half decade has been built around Elena Deldon and for damn good reasons. And so to the extent that Elena is compromised, the franchise's ceiling is compromised as well. And that's very sad for basketball. It's very sad for people with eyes, but it's especially difficult when you're thinking through things as the Washington Mystics. Yeah, I, um, I just, the Mystics have to have depth because of the injury issues, right, with mm-hmm. Deladon, like even more so than every other team, right? right. You know Deladon is not going to be able to play every single game, right? She's going to need rest games more than your other players. Um, that's just the reality. Um, and that, that, like, saying that, I thought, like, losing Tiana and losing LaToya from the depth chart, right? Like, they were really, and then, of course, not having Emma this first half of the season. Yeah. Like, they were stacked in the front court. And now they're slightly, you know, they're less stacked. Like, you know, like, these aren't, you know, Elena Deladon caliber players, but their depth that allow you to still win regular season games without her, right? Which is what you need to position yourself for the playoffs you know and keep her rested however I will say um Maisha Hines Allen is going to be late returning because she's in France but she was you know second team all WNBA last year and uh I think can still be that big deal it's a big deal to have her late I mean Elena and Tina and Maisha with players who can play the three, you know, the way that, um, you know, Atkins can, the way that Kara Leslie can on defense, um, you know, having a Teresa Playson who lost 40 pounds in the offseason. <laughs> and it just looks like a complete, like mm-hmm. the game is completely new to her. Erica McCall, like these bench players who you don't think much of when you're saying, can this team win a championship, right? But when I'm talking surviving Elena Deladon's injuries, right? Surviving until Emma Miesemann can come back, you know, when we're talking like um, getting through, if you can get to the playoffs, have a semi-healthy Elena Deladon, have a healthy Maisha, Tina, and Emma, you're still going to be a championship contender. It reminds me very much of Diana Tarazi's issues with her back. Yeah. And the question of could Diana get to Diana level by the playoffs. And I think that's just, it's just a dangerous game to play. I think it's really hard because there's so much talent in this league that to say, well, if we could get to the playoffs and have that player ready, we can run through the playoffs and be what we need to be and reach that peak level without having done it during the regular season. Now that said, that's just what Seattle did last year uh, with what were seemingly comparatively minor injuries to Brianna Stewart and Sue Burke and got them healthy and didn't rush in the regular season. And then you got to the playoffs and we saw what the Seattle Storm were able to do. And so, you know, maybe, maybe that's the key. Certainly if you're going to do it for anybody, the two you do it for are Diana uh, Tarazi and Elena Delgado. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see Natasha Cloud and Leilani Mitchell together. All right. 
Um, Chicago Sky uh, last year went 12 and 10, um, sixth uh, in the league. And then they lost to the Connecticut Sun in the first round. Um, you know, a lot of big additions in the offseason, including, you know, Brittany Boyd Jones, um, Lexi Brown. Am I forgetting anyone? I'm trying to think. Did, wasn't there a big somebody? <laughs> hmm, I feel like I saw her on TV somewhere. Yes. Candace Parker is in Chicago now. We're not going to talk about the Gabby Williams drama because I think we have another full year to talk about the Gabby Williams drama because uh, she's not going to play at all this season and we're going to see her back in L.A. True. next year. She's been traded to L.A. She's gone. Um, you've got Azari Stevens is back, Kalea Copper. Diamond of Shields, as far as we know, is healthy mm-hmm. as opposed to last season where we never really figured out what was going on. Nobody really told us. Well, you know, Diamond's talked about it. She she talked about being a little bit burnt out while well, okay. I asked her about Interesting. it. Interesting. Okay. And so she is, to her way of telling it, excited every time she steps on a basketball court is how she put it. And that, that's, that's music to my as somebody who's covered her dating back to college years. It's just better for the basketball world when Diamond DeShields has an opportunity to play basketball and love doing it. Totally. Um, you got Steph Dolson. Uh, Ruthie Hebert's back, uh, and then Vandersloot, of course, um, the wives are back in action, yes. uh, Allie Quigley yes, and Courtney Vandersloot, big uh, first round draft pick, Shyla Heal, um, who I think is is in camp and going to be kind of Allie Quigley's understudy, is that is that kind of where we're thinking with Shyla? I think more Vandersloot's understudy, yeah, more, that's of, more of a wife, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, she's not that big, but somehow the daughter of Shane Heal, who I remember watching play, is now in the WNBA. We are all old. Um, I, 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 am, I have made my peace with it. And then Natasha Mack. All right. I just, once again, we could get into the nitty gritty. There's a lot of talent here, but um, it seems like a dumb question. But what's the significance of Candace Parker being on this team? And where does she take their ceiling? Chicago's a team that has made it to the playoffs been a team with you know players like the shields and um you know um courtney and Allie, who you know teams always say oh you're you're looking out for them but they've really not made you know this iteration of them they haven't taken that next step is candace the addition of candace parker enough for them to take a next step and truly be a championship team my my short answer is i don't think this is complicated i think the answer is yes okay yeah i, I mean it, it's if, if you're the Chicago Sky and you want to resonate in that market and you bring in an icon uh, who grew up, you know, minutes from the city of Chicago, and if you're James Wade and you're looking to build a roster, your offense is excellent. You needed to improve defensively, ideally in the front court, ideally with somebody who was versatile uh, and was able to block shots and be able to guard threes, fours, and fives. Uh, you would go get somebody like Candace Park. She just happens to be both of those things in a single package. And somebody with championship pedigree, I, I, I mean, it's just, it's the perfect fit. It is the perfect fit. And so for James Wade, who's put together a really good team already, to be able to add Candace Parker and sell her on it, part of that has to come down to what Wade has done. And part of it has to come down to like, nobody understands the way the puzzle pieces fit together more than Candace Parker. And so she sees it. She knows what she is and can be. And so for her to come to Chicago 
it puts them in a position to win a title together. Yep. It, it's just, it's just perfect. I, they're uh, my short list of teams that I expect to contend for the championship. Absolutely. Include Chicago. I agree. I think we've all said they need a superstar, right? Like they, they almost were there. Like they have all stars, right? But mm-hmm. they didn't have a superstar. Right. And it was right. like, is the shields going to make that leap who I love? I'm not, this is not insulting like the shields, right? Like, by the way, if the shields does it, just imagine how dangerous they are. Right. But, but, but now she, she doesn't even have to be the, the, the shields that we think she can be. She doesn't have to be for them to win a championship now. Or, now she has room to be that because they have a Candace Parker, right? Like sometimes you need that superstar, right? To give you a little space, right? To become. Um, Yeah, I mean, I mean, to become. And I mean, Natasha Howard, even if we're going back to that, you know, like you need that. All right, I think that's good. We're just gonna go on now to the former team of Candace Parker, the Los Angeles Sparks. Once again, a slight, it feels like a sliding doors moment here in the WNBA with these two. Uh, last season, they were 15 and seven, third in the regular season. At one point, had a chance to win the number one seed and then collapsed down the stretch. Were crushed by Connecticut in their only playoff game. And once again, a Derek Fisher led team, um, you know, kind of mopes away from the WNBA season. They lost. Candace Parker was, of course, the big name they lost. They're also not, TRP's not back. Connor Williams isn't back. Um, they've added uh, Erica Wheeler, um, Bria Holmes, Amanda Zowie B, Mia Coffey. Once again, the roster's not set, so we're not sure. Christy Tolliver and Chinea Gumake are both back after taking last season off. Um, along with Neka Gumake is there. It seems like Simone Augustus, Brittany Sykes, uh, Taya Cooper, Sydney Weiss, uh, Maria Vidiva will be back after the Olympics. Um, they've got Jasmine Walker um, as their main rookie. Arella Grantes is still there too. Once again, not sure about the final roster, but what do you see from this? Because I have no clue. Well, I mean, you sort of brushed on it in passing, but to me, Shanae Gwumake and Christy Tolliver as major additions, no small thing. They are. Don't You're talking about, you know, Shanae was the number one overall pick. Shanae's been an all-star when she's been able to play regularly. And Christy Tolliver, I, I know you saw firsthand uh, quite a bit, Christy Tolliver took the mystic from a, a team that was very good and help bring them to a championship. She, she's another one of those players that has a sense of the moment, right? And, and, and Tito exactly right. always knew that. I remember when they when the Mystics were winning, uh, Tolliver was out the last month of like the 2019 season, right before the playoffs, right? And they were still mm-hmm. winning. And a lot of the media were kind of like, are you that worried if Tolliver, you know, doesn't come back? Do you know what I mean? And Tebow right. always do. said, you know, Tebow never stopped saying, we need her back for the playoffs. Like she knows in these big moments what to do more than others do. Yes, correct. And, and she'll be next to Erica Wheeler, which can take Erica Wheeler's game to another level. Um, there, there was a fantastic feature about Erica Wheeler uh, in the ringer some time <laughs> ago. And ever since I've read that, no, I, I mean, listen, oh, Wheeler is a, a Rutgers alum and she's doing what Steve Vivian Stringer players do which has come to the lead and outperform their expectations, which is going to happen, I believe, with 
the 22nd overall pick in the draft, Arella Grandes, uh, who is who should not have slipped. And the Sparks were able to steal later on in that draft. But there's a lot of talent here that needs to be put together in a certain way. And Candace and NECA always found a way to coexist, but they weren't necessarily a logical group to, or couple to coexist basketball-wise in terms of where they wanted to be on the floor, in terms of where they wanted to get them a ball. And I have a lot more confidence that NECA and Shanae can figure out spacing <laughs> and where to be together. What's shocking? You think they might know how to communicate and... Um... I think there's a relationship there that they might be able to build on. And so you combine that with Adam Tolliver and Adam Wheeler. Uh, and again, you know, I, I just think Garante is going to come in and, you know, I know we're not talking about the Gabby Williams trade, but... Well, she's not playing this season. The, but what was the trade, right? The trade was LA drafted essentially a shooting guard at 10 and then again at 22. Right. And so part of the, well, can Garantes make an impact was, will there be space for Garantes shows up at camp and two days later, they trade their 10th overall pick for somebody who's not coming until 2022 to open up, you would think, room for Arella Garantes. Uh, you know, they certainly should. Well, I'll, we'll see what the final roster looks like, but there's there's reason to believe that Garantes can do the things that Derek Fisher wanted TRP to do. And TRP really wasn't enough of a skilled offensive player to do. And Garantes is. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I'm excited. Um, I wrote about it during the playoffs last year, uh, or not last year, two years ago, when I was worried about the Mystics for the Athletic, about how Chrissy Tolliver and Natasha Cloud had kind of become this two-headed point guard monster, and how they had mm -hmm. kind of learned to coexist. Like, you know, a lot of teams don't have one point guard, right? And the Mystics had two, basically, and ended up, you know, they, they were able to coexist really well together. I mean, but did they, did, like, Natasha... Cloud was their point guard. I, I I know and I know we've I feel like we've had this argument on press row, right? No, I agree. She was. Christy Tolliver is like a playmaking two. This is what I'm saying. And Natasha Cloud is a one. Right, but for a while they called Christy Tolliver the point guard. <laughs> You know, which I, might I, be I, Chrissy Tolbert, but anyways, here's what I'm saying. All right, this is not right. this is not an argument about whether it's, it's it's more about philosophy, right? Because trust me, I was the lead on the ball, like I was the number one voice of saying everyone in the media stop calling Chrissy Tolbert the point guard. Natasha yes. is the one, right? Lindsay used to heckle people on press row about it. It's true. I was very annoying, um, but anyways. <laughs> But I think that, you know, Wheeler will hopefully not feel as pressured to need to shoot as much as she did in Indy, um, which is going to help a lot. And Christy can do that. And I'm excited to see them coexist together. Agreed. And yeah, I think that's kind of all my thoughts on the Sparks. I don't think that they're going to be a championship contender this year, um, mainly because I don't trust Eric Fisher. I think they are very much a playoff team. They're in my 10. They certainly are. I think people who think it's going to be some sort of big rebuilding year, uh, I think are underselling the sheer caliber of talent there. It could go wrong. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I just don't trust Derek Fisher still until he proves me. Otherwise, I don't trust Derek Fisher. And I think the way his teams have played in the later half of seasons has, um, is a problem. And that doesn't look good on the coach. And he's free to prove me wrong. And 
but I'm excited to see Chrissy Tolliver back on the court. I'm excited to see Zowie B in uh, a Sparks jersey. I think that's just going to be fun um, and going to bring a big spark off the bench. And there's a lot of depth here. Yeah. The Phoenix Mercury, 13-9 and nine last season, fifth in the regular season, which is kind of where they've been for a while. They lost by one point to the Lynx in the second round of playoffs. Um, you know, Sandy Brondell is back as coach, of course. Um, they didn't have a lot of goodbyes in the offseason. Um, Nia Coffey and Shatori, who were both just there for kind of one season. Um, they didn't really have any big draft picks. They got Sierra Johnson in the third round from AM um, and don't really have any roster slots open necessarily. Right. Uh, they added uh, in a trade this year, they added Megan Walker and Kia Nurse from the Liberty. And of course, returning, they have <gasps> deep breath. Diana Trossi, Brittany Grinder, Skylar Diggins-Smith, Kia Vaughn, Shay Petty, Alana Smith, Brianna Turner, and Sophie Cunningham. And Bria Hartley seems to actually be recovering really well from an ACL tear. I didn't know if we'd see her at all this year, but all signs are we will see her, maybe even before the Olympics. Um, I sure hope so. Is this finally going to be Brittany Griner's MVP season? <laughs> we say this every year, right? Every year we're waiting for Griner's MVP season. We're waiting for this Mercury team with this talent to take a jump. I've got... Two parts to that. One is, it's possible. She certainly seemed energized, recharged, and ready to make a difference. Part of what you're seeing is just that the lead has been shifting. So, Reiner is less an answer to the big questions posed by the other top teams and more a real zigging when other teams are zagging and moving away from your conventional standardized five, of which she is, to an extent, that but also just a very souped up version and somebody who has played even while we are sort of sitting here looking for another level from her is already playing at a level that is a hall of fame caliber performance. And it's worth remembering that what Brittany Griner has provided so far is that before you get into, well, is there another level to reach? Now, look, she's going to be there with Skylar Diggins-Smith and Diana Tarazi. And if both of them are healthy, they now have a year together to have figured out who gets the ball away. You talked about that loss. I, I mean, that's the image that keeps sticking with me is that final moment. Diana Trazi didn't even touch the ball and Skylar didn't Smith did. And that's kind of the issue writ large, right? Who is going to get the ball? How often, how are you going about making sure that you get Brittany Griner as involved as she ought to be? Uh, given her skills and making that balance work is a great unknown, but sure, the potential is enormous there when you look at the big three. And you have to say that Jim Pittman's decision not to tear down and his decision to say, we're going to ride Diana Trazi's career for as long as she cares to play. I feel great about that just from a basketball perspective, because now we get to sort of max out knowing what Diana Trazi's career could look like. But it certainly means there's a lot of unknowns coming into this year. I'm fascinated to see it. So I'm excited to see Brianna Turner. She made a big jump, especially after BG left, let's be honest, last year. Um, you know, and I just want to see how these pieces fit together. And I think my besides the obvious of how to, you know, Diana and Skylar are gonna be, you know, fit together is Where's uh Kia Nurse? Are we gonna see a rebirth of Kia Nurse here? Because let's just face it, not a good season last year for the Liberty. Well, and, and she'd be the first to tell you that. Uh, yeah. She's very honest about it, but 
you know, the shooting, the combination of that and an ankle that clearly was bothering her um, led to a very unkeener style season. But a big deal to have her at the three. And I have always believed, dating back to her time at UConn, that she's kind of the prototype three. You know, she's big and tough and she's strong and she can defend extraordinarily well. You know, obviously she's got the flexibility where you can play her just about anywhere. I mean, Katie Smith used to play her some at the one and she more than held her own there. Uh, but if Kia Nurse is the three-point shooter, she usually is. And last year was a one-off blip, which I certainly, you know, 22 games in a bubble environment with a bum ankle is not me. And a team that only won two games, so not an experienced team around. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think that was a huge pickup for them. And, you know, potentially Phoenix has been so top-heavy for so long that if they're not getting these elite performances out of their best players – that makes it harder for them to excel against rosters that we've talked about that are kind of top to bottom what you want. But when you've got players like Tia Nurse and you got, you know, Brianna Turner is an elite defender. It's such a big deal that if Brittany Reiner gets two early fouls, that people aren't just able to get to the lane and finish at will against Phoenix anymore. That is not a small thing. And, you know, like if Bria Hartley can come back strong, she was great, you know. So now we're talking like, eight really elite players, you know, for a Phoenix team that has struggled to have four, you know, they've had three, but yeah. have they even had four? All right. The Lynx last year, 14 and eight, fourth in regular sweep season, um, swept by the storm in the semifinals, which is really nothing to hang your head about, but I know not satisfying for head coach Cheryl Reeve. Um, They've lost just a couple pieces. Lexi Brown, Makia Herbert Harrigan, and Erica McCall added uh, huge names. Ariel Powers, Natalie Chanwa, and Kayla McBride, as well as Renia Davis, Renia Davis from the draft. And then you've got your returners. Um, Nafisa Collier, Sylvia Fowles, Demir Stantis is back, um, Crystal Dangerfield, and then Rachel Bannum and Jessica Shepard's return from injury. Uh, so that's exciting. Howard, um, what do you think about this offseason that Cheryl Reeve had? And I'm especially curious to see what you think the ceilings are for Powers and McBride in this offense. I just think it was an amazing offseason for them, not just because yeah, of the players in and of themselves and the talent that they bring, but the way in which they fit to what Minnesota needed when you thought coming into this offseason, the same way we were talking about Chicago and bringing in Candace Parker, how she makes perfect sense. Well, if I were looking at Minnesota coming into the offseason and saying, you know, what do you need first and foremost? And I think you just needed that potential fellow 1A or, one, or, or number two scorer who could play shooting guard and be efficient and defend at the other end. And that's just exactly what Kayla McBride is. You know, you have now the ability to have multiple different looks at the three with Ariel Powers. You can also play the, some two, oh, by the yeah. way. And also Bridget Carlton, who is criminally underrated. Bridget Carlton can do everything and they're able to return her, but pair her with Ariel Powers. So there are going to be some lineups now where Carlton's going to make more sense and there's going to be some where Powers going to make more sense. But either way, you've got a real opportunity to build on the gains of last year. You have now Sylvia Fowles, who is 
to my mind, the best five in the history of the league. But if Sylvia Fowles needs more rest and you want to get her fresher for the playoffs, Natalia Chanwa can step in and do different things and give you different looks. You know, Natalia Chanwa can also spell Demir Stantis some as a stretch four. You know, there's just a lot of different things you can do with this roster. And then just having Rachel Bannum healthy and comfortable and shooting in her home state, it's just, you know, it, it is, Rachel Bannum is somebody who is going to get 25 points in a WNBA game at some point this year. And she's going to come off and she's going to win a game for them off the bench. So just top to bottom, a roster that I think very highly of. And I, I sure hope Jess Shepard gets the opportunity because she has been through so much and is so built like a modern WNBA player, six foot four, but capable of stepping out beyond the arc and a plus rebounder and just somebody who would have been in the rotation if not for her injuries and hopefully is able to get those opportunities this year as well. I agree. I love every single thing about Minnesota this year. Um, and I can't wait to see how it gels. Uh, the Connecticut Sun last year during the regular season, they were 10 and 12, seventh. Um, but they made it to the semifinals where they pushed the Las Vegas Aces to five. Uh, they did not have a lot of changes during the off season. Um, Kurt Miller is still in charge. Um, the four people on the roster who aren't back, uh, Bria Holmes, uh, Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, Teresa Plaisance, and Essence Carson. But um, uh, really, they didn't make any big additions. It's just kind of about, you know, who's returning. So they've got uh, Bree Jones, Jasmine Thomas, Alyssa Thomas, Dewana Bonner, John Quelt Jones is back after a season off. Um, Brianne January should still be there. You've got Kyla Charles and Beatrice Montpremier, um, Tisha Heideman. Um, we're not sure what's going to happen at the end of this roster, but um, it's a lot the same team, just adding John Quelt Jones, which is a huge missing piece. <laughs> right. I mean, so I would say two things. You know, the injury to Alyssa Thomas is a big deal. Yeah, I completely forgot. I knew I was going to forget something big in this. Alyssa Thomas is out for the season. You were right. Phew. Okay. I made it to the, I made it to number three without missing anything big, I think. So that's a big well, here, Here's what I'll say. Alyssa Thomas was missing both of her shoulders and was still playing. So for you to think that just because she's injured, she was still going to play is a perfectly yeah. reasonable thing to think about. <laughs> I don't even look and see if she's not going to play because she just plays no matter what. No but matter yes. what. No matter what. AT is a huge, they're going to miss that. But it's a different team, right? So in 2019, the team we, we watched come within a game of winning it all had them both. And then last year, they were still a playoff team that made a run only with Alyssa Thomas. And now this year, it's only JJ. Not only, Dewana Bonner, I feel no, like. No, 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 no. I'm saying among, among that pairing. Okay, there, okay, yeah. No, no, no. I'm saying as sort of, you know, they had dual featured stars. And so, right, okay. you know, and so then what, you know, what is Dewana Bonner in that scenario? Dewana Bonner is extremely dangerous and potentially can do even more damage with a floor that is more stretched by what John Paul Jones brings and where she stores on the floor than AT. And I, I suspect that you're going to have more open looks for Dewana Bonner in the same way that when Shakina Strickland was in Connecticut, she saw more open looks than when she first made her move to Atlanta. You know, Brienne January is a very important cog 
to this team as well. When you look back at why they, after a slow start, they were 0-5 to start the year last year. They made that run to the playoffs. I don't think it was just because so many people were giving them hashtag disrespect. I also think it was because <laughs> in January started making shots on a regular basis. And so this team, top to bottom, are you going to play a lineup where you've got John Claude Jones next to Bree Jones, who is, you know, this old school five, but somebody who's hyper-efficient around the rim and always has been? Uh, Kurt Miller's got a lot of options. And I would just say one other thing. I've talked to Kurt about this periodically. This is the most Kurt Miller philosophy team that he's had. And here's what I mean by that. Kurt Miller is a big believer in at the rim and beyond the arc. But Kurt Miller knows what he has. And so when he had Courtney Williams, the best mid-range shooter in the league since Cappy Pondexter, Kurt Miller let Courtney Williams be Courtney Williams and built around it and was very smart about that. And then Alyssa Thomas with her circus, you know, no shoulder shots that kept going in. He let Alyssa Thomas be Alyssa Thomas, but his team now is very much built like a Kurt Miller philosophy. And I'm sure Kurt Miller wouldn't tell you that he'd prefer Alyssa Thomas isn't playing. He'd rather have Alyssa Thomas, but it also means the personnel and the philosophy match to an extent that I'm curious as hell to see what that looks like. Because again, Kurt Miller knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I just say there are a few things I, I'm excited to see Candace Parker, you know, obviously in Chicago and make that debut and see her with that team. And probably number two for things I'm the most excited about, um, maybe tied with Tina Charles, but is getting to see Dewana Bonner and John Paul Jones uh, together on the court. I mean, I feel like if they outstretch their both of their arms, like they have the entire court covered. Uh-huh. <laughs> like there's just so much length there. I cannot wait. That's fair. Um, That's high on my yeah, list. The Aces, 18 and four last year, swept by the storm in the finals. But man, uh, they have some 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 decent pieces uh, back this year. You got uh, Coach Bill Embiid back you lost McBride and Lindsay Allen um but you've added Chelsea Gray Connor Williams returning is Elizabeth Cambage Kelsey Plum I think is is healthy and uh GC Park is back um Asia Wilson uh Dierica Hamby Jackie Young three keys to that team back and um of course, the biggest question mark we have now, which by Thursday we'll likely know more about, is Angel McCautry looked to badly injure herself during a preseason game. So I think we're going to kind of talk about this as if McCautry's not there. Um, but even if she's not, I think that you've got a better team than you did last year. Interesting. Interesting. Bold statement. Really? You think that's bold? I do think it's bold. I don't agree. Because you, okay, well, here's, here's our math. Here's my math. Here, bring it. And then I'll tell you my math. But good. Okay. You subtract Kayla McBride and right. Angel McCautry. Right. And Lindsay Allen. And you add Elizabeth Cambage and Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray. Right. I, I see the math. Yes. By the way, also minus Danielle Robinson out of last year, who was very. Right, Danielle Robinson. That doesn't change my math. I'm sorry. That doesn't. No, no, me. no. I, I get that. Here's the deal. And, I, and I'll, I'll start with the brief caveat. Chelsea Gray is an elite player. I can't wait to see what she does in Vegas. Without a question. 
Liz Cambage is a game changer in and of herself. And the fact that she's back is very exciting. Less is more sometimes. And I'll give you a couple of reasons why I say so. Asia Wilson was the MVP last year. Now, why was Asia Wilson the MVP last year? Because unlike 2019, Asia Wilson had room to operate in year three. Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage have to coexist together. And how that works off the court, how that works when the two of them, and this goes back to what we were talking about in LA, operate in a lot of the same spots, and there's only one ball, is concerning. You know, Bill Beer talked a little bit when we spoke to him about it after Liz was re-signed, you know, well, we're going to try things like a high-low. and <laughs> We're coming to this now. It seems a little late to come to it. And Bill Beer has won many more WNBA titles than I have. So far be it from me to say he's not going to figure it out. Bill Beer always figures it out. But it's concerning. And then you add in the fact that the losses we're talking about, if, it's, if Angel's out, Angel McCartney had the, her most efficient season of her career last year. Angel McCartney, my heart aches over the idea that Angel McCartney is going to miss part. Oh, I, I mean, I'm devastated. Yeah. If you go by, you know, let's say win shares for 40, Angel McCartney was actually the best player on the ace last year. And Kayla McBride being efficient, doing what you asked her to do was a given. And now she's not there to do that. And you didn't ask more of Jackie Young. And you have to hope that you get as much out of Kelsey Plum post-injury as you did pre-injury. Uh, Kelsey Plum is somebody who I love and think the world of. Uh, but Kelsey Plum is also going to be off the ball. You know, this Chelsea Gray's team to run in some fundamental ways. So Kelsey Plum is very good off the ball, which is why 50 Johnson years ago should have played her next to Mariah Jefferson. But that's a slight tangent. The bottom line is, I don't know that that math adds up. They were 18 and four last year. They got a lot of questions to answer. I don't know. I know that the conventional wisdom, wisdom is to be concerned about Cambage and Asia Wilson in the same spot and whether they can work together. I will just say NECA and Candace won a WNBA championship together on the front court. That did not, I know it wasn't perfect, but it worked. And I think that it was great that Asia had the year without Cambage to grow. I think that was crucial, crucial. But that just gives me more confidence that they're going to figure out a way, you know, that she knows more who she is. I'm just not worried about Cambage and Wilson. I'm not. I know everyone else is. I'm not. Asia Wilson, her senior year, I was having a conversation with Dawn Staley at South Carolina. And Dawn Staley goes, I need to turn her into Candace Parker. That, and why did she say that? Because she wanted to maximize Asia Wilson's career. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Asia Wilson's drifting out beyond the three-point line. Billy Beer gets upset about it. I don't want that to happen. Candace Parker was allowed to be Candace Parker, and NECA was stretched by Brian Adler, somebody who knows a thing or two about winning, whether it's in LA, whether he did it years ago in the ABL, right? Okay. I, Bill Beer is not somebody who is embracing the stretch bigs in that same way. And so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, who's, who's the three who provides nearly as much production as Angel McCautry did if Angel is, is not playing this season, if she's not able to do it? Is Kelsey Plum 
able to be coming off of this injury every bit the player that Kayla McBride is. And it's no, no knock on plug, but Kayla McBride is a star in this league playing a secondary role. I am not telling you I think they are doomed. I'm telling you that when you tell me they're a better team than the team that went 18 and four last year, I don't know. I don't know. They're on my short list as a championship contender, but I don't know. I hope that we get Angel McCautry back post-Olympic break, at least. And you know, this isn't a season ending injury, you know? Uh, and uh, if that happens, I think that they're for sure a better team overall, because I think Hamby can have a bigger role. I think Jackie Young can have a bigger role. And I think like, you're going to be okay. And maybe Hamby's the three, maybe Hamby can be happy. So and much. I also really like what we've seen from, I don't know if she's going to make the roster, but I love what we've seen from Destiny Slocum uh, so far early <laughs> I oh, love Destiny Slocum, and I think this is the perfect team for her. We could do a whole show on Destiny Slocum. All right. We're, we're so over time, but I really don't think there's that much to discuss with this final team. Honestly, uh-huh. as good as they are. The Seattle Storm, Dan Hughes, love to see him back. Uh, they're goodbyes. Retired Mark Morgan Tuck and Crystal Langhorn. Um, Sammy Whitcomb, as we mentioned, is with the Liberty now, as is Natasha Howard. Um, but they've added Candace Dupree and Makia Herbert Harrigan and Katie Lou Samuelson. And um, their picks were Leah Wilson and Kiana Williams. We're going to see, like I said, what the roster brings. Easy Magbegor is, is back and looking good. Um, and then, of course, you got Stu, Sue Bird, Stewie, uh, Jordan Canada, Jewel Lloyd, Mercedes Russell and Epiphany Prince, I think, signed. Where does your math go this year with this team, better to worse, like plus or minus? Is this still the, the overwhelming favorite going into the season? It is a slightly less overwhelming favorite than they would have been if they'd held on to Howard and Alicia Clark. Alicia. Oh, right, Alicia Clark also left. We're That's assuming in that sliding yes. door scenario, Alicia Clark is healthy. Yeah. Alicia Clark was a really good deal. Alicia Clark was one of the five best players in the league last year. No, I agree with that, yeah. So... Um, but do I think they're the favorite? Probably. I think I think things flattened a little bit, but Dan Hughes is another brilliant basketball mind. Number one. Number two, Brianna Stewart is the best player in the world. She's the best player in the world. And it's just, it's absurd to the extent to which she is the best player in the world at this point, even among elite talent, just the combination of her ability to win at every level, her ability she has that combination of the skill set nobody else has and the sense of the moment. And her moment comes in the second quarter, which is why she's actually somehow underrated despite all of this, because Brianna Stewart will step on your neck in the second quarter and her team will win by 30. And then, you know, people lose the idea that, you know, well, she didn't hit a big shot late in the fourth because she's you're already dead. You know, it's just how she operates. It's, I, I've just, I've never seen anything like it. I, I'm, I will never stop enjoying the dominance that is Brianna Stewart, just from a sporting perspective. And I don't think I'll cover a more dominant player in any sport uh, as long as I live. Um, I, I don't really know how else to put it. And so you add that to the fact that Sue Bird is you know, not bad. You know, I've, she's had a pretty decent career as, you know, the prototypical point guard in this league now and probably forever. Healthy is healthy, knock on wood, you know. Um, yes, all of that. 
And if arguably they had too much talent last year. I mean, you, you know, to have Madrigal be able to play key minutes that Natasha Howard played last That's year. That's why I'm not worried about Natasha Howard leaving. I agree. I agree. And, and Dupree will be fine in an Alicia Clark-ish role as well. And Herbert Harrigan had some good defense for the Lynx last year. I don't think – I'm just saying, like, I liked her on defense for the Lynx last year, and I think, like, she can bring some of that defensive presence off the bench. And, and Kiki's really smart. She's she's one of those brainy Don yeah. Staley type players, you know. So it's – Seattle is – and we haven't even talked about Jewel Lloyd. Jewel Lloyd, who would be a star among stars most other places. And eventually – I believe – fearless prediction, Jewel Lloyd will eventually – have an MVP level season. But uh, yeah, I, I think there are some teams that will absolutely challenge for the championship. But if you said to me, hey, you got you got to choose one, you know, to me, it's still Seattle. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's still Seattle, but I think there are a lot of other teams that got better during the offseason. Very mm-hmm. few that got worse. <laughs> you know, there are definitely a couple, but... Um... You think there are teams that got worse this offseason? I think there are teams that didn't get as better. Who do you think got worse this offseason? Well, I guess if going by their 2020 rosters, or so who played in 2020, not who opted out, but I think the Sparks. I yeah. mean, the, the Sparks, I think, got worse. I guess that's reasonable. I don't think they got as yeah. worse as people think. I can see that. And then, when, I mean, when you think about them adding in – Tolliver and Cheney, who were, there, you know, there, but not there, you know, but I, I do think that they are worse. Losing Chelsea Gray is not a small thing. You're absolutely. No, 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 no. Uh, very, very big thing. Um, I, was, I don't think I mentioned that they lost her in our roundup, um, but they did. Um, so yeah. All right. Howard, it's the 25th season of the WNBA. I want you to just finish this by giving us one takeaway this is the big question. One takeaway from the first 25 years in this league. One thing that's um, maybe made the most impact on you is in, in how this league has evolved. That's a great question. It is an implicit rebuke to every mouth breather who likes to pretend that women's sports is transient and cannot last. I think if It is many things, many things. But if it were only that, that alone has value. I think that has mattered for other women's sports leagues to understand that such a thing is not just possible, but is the new paradigm. I think it matters in an implicit answer to the naysayers who have claimed over and over again, the W was going to go somewhere. It is not we are 25 years into something that is very much established, continues to grow, and I cannot even conceive of how exciting the next 25 years is going to be as a result. Of it. That's a perfect place to end. Uh, go to the next, the next.substack.com, um, the nine.substack.com, IX uh, is nine. Yes. Not, not the numeral letter, the Roman numerals, like Title Nine. Uh, but v9.substack.com support Howard all the great work he does and I'll be honest um, you know we doubled the time I thought this would take and that's not bad for us <laughs> I, think, I think this was brevity for us I absolutely that's the entire league that's all 12 teams I feel I feel very accomplished 
by how streamlined this was. Well, I feel I feel like I feel more ready for the season now. So that's gotta help. That's that's for something. You know, I put you all through all this just to make myself uh, sit down and study this. Maybe, maybe. I am I am happier on the day I talk to you, Lindsay. Kids. All right, Howard. That's the thanks so much for joining uh-huh. us. Thank you all for listening. And do I cut Howard off every time he starts uh, being complimentary? Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you, uh, flamethrowers, for listening. And uh, the tip off is on Friday.